You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Franchuli for Wahoo's 24-7. And as you can see, if you're on YouTube, Zach Carey from Stringing the Lawn has joined us on the show. Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Always, always fun. So if, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know if we have Zach on the show, we're going to be talking about UVA basketball. And uh, basketball season is just around the corner. We just had the blue-white scrimmage. This past weekend, we also have media day in Charlotte next week, which will, I will be attending both the women's and men's Zach. And we got to see both the women's and men's scrimmage last weekend. And that was exciting to see some of those new faces on both of those teams. But although we were focused a lot on those new faces, it seemed like a face that I guess it's relatively new because he redshirted last year. But he's a guy that we are familiar with, and that's Leon Bond. And Leon Bond, I feel like in that game, I know a lot has been made about several other of the transfers on Tony Bennett's team, but I felt like Leon Bond stole the show a little bit in some regard. I felt like he was one of the names that made a little bit of more of a push to be possibly start during the season this year. Um, he showed some some things on the offensive glass, but I liked him because it, defensively, you could tell how much growth he had during his red shirt year. Yeah. He just looks comfortable on the floor. I mean, we obviously didn't see him in year one other than a blue white scrimmage, which he actually played in well last year too. But I think this year you just saw um, a Leon bond that knows his role and knows how to play within the system. It was interesting that when he played on the floor with Ryan Dunn um, and sort of a group of potential starters with with Reese um, and IMAC as well, that he played the four on offense and, and Ryan Dunn played the three, meaning that Bond in, in their side's offense was setting a lot more screens and then sort of finding space in the mid-range, a little bit on the perimeter, making plays as a cutter, which I think is the role that you want him in on this team. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he looked just... He looks smooth. And I think that that's one thing is that you sort of expect a guy who is known to be athletic, who is known to sort of be um, a playmaker defensively, and you're trying to sort of uh, organize that chaos, you know, that, that he can create into the pack line system. And then offensively can make plays off the dribble as a slasher. But you don't necessarily expect him to be someone that you're just like, oh, wow, he just looks so under control. Like, and that's probably the result of a redshirt season for him. Um, and so, it's really cool to see. I think that, yeah, you're right that I do think that this sort of thrusts him into the conversation of will he be starting because sort of that third backcourt spot alongside Beekman and, and McNeely is is probably a little bit up, up in the air. Maybe Tony Bennett uh, has someone he's already decided on. 
But with Dante Harris and Andrew Rohde, I think those are sort of the two names um, that had been floated. And I think Bond is now in there as well. Um, and it also speaks to their confidence with playing Ryan Dunn on the perimeter, that they're comfortable putting Bond inside and, and kicking Dunn out as more of a playmaker. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's it's really good to see. I mean, it's a shame that they lost Isaac Trout in the transfer portal. I don't think that that was really under Tony Bennett's control or or the result of a red shirt. Um, I think it was more personal to Trout from just my understanding. But um, it's cool to see guys who red shirt come into year two looking like the red shirt paid off. Yeah, the, the Trout uh, storyline is definitely still uh, alive and well on message boards yeah. um, <laughs> and, and all that that came with it. But I agree. I think um, I was actually impressed with Dante Harris on the defensive side. I thought he was a guy that was very physical in the scrimmage, and I thought there were some shades where like, okay, I can see um, possibly why he could be one that you're, you're kind of looking at. And just from talking to people, uh, Andrew Rohde is someone who's been impressing during the workouts in the offseason leading up to this scrimmage. But during the scrimmage, I think Harris had six points. Rody had four points. Um, I have that Harris was two of nine of shooting and that Rody was two of 11 of shooting. So they struggled a little bit on that side of the ball. And I, I think one of the best lineups we saw was um, Reese Beekman, Isaac McNeely, Ryan Dunn, Leon Vaughn, and Blake Buchanan. I thought that was a good lineup that they had together defensively. I think that's if you were to pick a Tony Bennett defense team, I think those guys lining up, which is why I think Leon Bond certainly raised his stock a lot in that fight for that starting position. And that kind of moves on to the next section because we named two of the guys in that starting lineup that looked good. And that was Reese Beekman and Ryan Dunn. Uh, Ryan Dunn looked definitely more polished. He felt like a guy who was making plays himself. Um, but also Reese Beekman, this is his team now. So it looked like when you're out there that it was his team. Um, I thought that his mid range mid range game looked good as well. So when you look at those two, do you feel like this team kind of goes far depending on how these two play in the season? Yeah. And and there's obviously a lot more question marks on this roster too. So, you know, you don't want to simplify it, but I do think in sort of a macro sense, there's a world in which Ryan Dunn and Reese Beekman are first round NBA draft picks at the end of the season. Um, and if that happens, I think UV is going to be very good this season. Obviously, it'd be a shame to lose Dunn. Um, but I mean, th those two are the most talented on this roster at this point in time. Long term, you might have other guys who, who could sort of reach that level. But right now, um, it's those two guys and, and sort of what we've seen in the past. And I'm not saying that this team is going to win a national championship or, or be competitive in that sense. But what you saw in 2019 and you saw it sort of in some of UVA's other um, March runs is a number of players peaking at the right time in their career together. And I think that in Dunn and Beekman, you have two guys who seem to be going in that direction, right? In 2019, it was Jerome Hunter, Guy, Diakite as well, I think you could argue. Um, this season, I think you're looking at Dunn and Beekman in a big way. And there's obviously other players, IMAC being probably the most notable. But um, yeah, each of them have such high ceilings. Dunn as a, a lockdown defender in his own right, who's probably going to be pushing Beekman for ACC Defensive Player of the Year, but also as someone who seems to be growing offensively, as you mentioned, being more of a playmaker. Make, I think he had five assists um, in 28 minutes of the scrimmage. So 
I think you're seeing him be more comfortable. And I mean, he was a guard in high school. Like he was hitting pull-up threes in highlight videos that I was um, searching for on the deep web back when UVA was recruiting him back in, gosh, I guess 2021 or something. Um, and so he has that skill set. It's just about sort of bringing it out and, and sort of putting the pieces together now that he is bigger, stronger, more athletic, getting sort of that fluidity back into his game. And you're seeing that. And yeah, you made the point on Beekman is, is well taken. I mean, it, that guy just looks like he's taken on the responsibility of this being his team. He's probably been ready for that for a little while now. Um, and so it's exciting to see him get the keys hundred um, percent and be able to run this offense. And I think that this offense is going to be very dependent on how he plays within it. And it's going to rely on him very heavily and through one um, fairly meaningless scrimmage after an already hard practice, it looked like he, he he's up for the challenge. And also three point shooting too. He, 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 he was pretty tired towards, towards the end. Not only had, yeah, the offense, but he had that yeah. three point shooting contest. Yeah. I, I, I they did not shoot so hot uh, in this scrimmage. I would probably attest that more to tired legs than I would uh, an indictment of, of the future season to come. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to put an asterisk on that when I was discussing the three-point shot because I was like, well, I would be tired too after a practice and a three-point shooting contest. So there was a little asterisk on that shooting during that scrimmage. Um, but we're going to take a quick break here, Zach. But on the way back, we're going to talk about one of the issues or I guess one of the concerns or questions of however you want to phrase this that we have of the Virginia men this season but also we're going to talk about the Virginia women because they also scrimmage so we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
And welcome back to the good old podcast. As you can see, we have Zach Carey on the show. Uh, we're talking about the blue and white scrimmages for both the Virginia men and the Virginia women, getting us excited for the hoop season that's just coming up less than a month away. Now, Zach, we talked about some of the big takeaways, some of the standouts that we saw. Now, it's not really a standout, but I feel like it's the biggest question. It's the question about Virginia's front court. Now, you can argue if they go small ball lineup that possibly Dunn or Bond kind of fit those roles, but you have Jordan Minor, a Jacob Groves, Blake Buchanan, and they were okay in the scrimmage from the from the first glances of who they are, but it wasn't like you were odd. But what you got, I felt like uh, Minor probably was probably most productive in the front court in the scrimmage. Um, he had eight points. Uh, he was he was pretty good on the floor. Uh, he he was able to get to the field goal line. But Blake Buchanan flashed as well as a defender, which I was a little surprised to as a as a freshman. I thought he looked a little further along than I expected. What was your thoughts on the front court? Yeah, your point. You make a good one in the sense that I think we saw what we thought we were going to see from from most of the front court, uh, along with a, a couple additional things, which is fine like for each individual guy you're not looking at them and be like oh like they're not going to be good because they're just who we thought they were um but yeah in the aggregate it's sort of okay who who will step up um yeah buchanan defensively looks polished and again maybe i'm overreacting to him playing like 20 minutes in a 28 minute scrimmage but he just looked comfortable especially guarding the pick and roll the ball screen which is sort of the biggest responsibility that Tony Bennett puts on his big men and in, in requiring them to go out and hedge and then recover. Um, and he didn't just look like, like he was surviving. He was, he was thriving uh, in, in a lot of ways. I thought his hedges, wherever they were on the floor were disruptive and his length uh, was felt uh, on, on when he was recovering back into the hoop. Look good as a help defender, like like able to um, sort of figure out when and where to go help, when to stay on his man, um, when to even switch onto a, a smaller player and sort of try to shut them down. He had one reach in foul uh, on a hard hedge on the wing. I think that that's just a little bit of a sign of of inexperience, and, and hopefully that he can clean that up and not deal with foul trouble like a lot of UVA big men have in their um, first couple of seasons. And and obviously it, it's hard to. Um, put so much on this one young player from Idaho who's definitely has to adjust to college basketball. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there's a world where he is the exception to the rule of Tony Bennett, big men needing a couple years to get comfortable in the system. And, and maybe that's an overreaction. Maybe that's just hopeful thinking uh, for, for a light front court that, that needs his size. But yeah, I, I was really impressed and I feel like, um, he, he probably doesn't quite have the offensive production that you noted that the minor can produce just sort of easily um, because minor he's experienced and you saw that and you saw sort of um, just how much of an impact his strength has, you know, he's not going to be scoring. I don't know. I can't exactly remember how many points he scored last year. He's not going to be scoring the number of points he had last year. Not going to be getting the number of shots, but I think that he can be a, a high efficiency, low volume guy. Um, who can make the right plays in the right moments for this team. It's just a matter of does Buchanan give you a higher ceiling, especially defensively, just as a bigger player. Miner's totally respectable. They're just going to have to make plays around him rather than expecting him to make plays. Um, I mean, he and, and Buchanan actually went back and forth. Uh, I'm sure you remember this at one point where uh, like Miner went at Buchanan in the post and scored a little sort of uh, 
light floater, and then Buchanan came back down and, and hit sort of a, a turnaround jumper in the, in the mid-range, maybe 10 feet um, on minor, which was cool to see, to see that there is a little bit of, of sort of that, that post presence from those two guys. Um, Groves, I think, looked fine. I think that he'll look better when it's not off the back of, of, of a long practice so that he can get his shooting legs under him a little bit more. Um, and his impact will be so more of more uh, more game to game, matchup to matchup, scheme to scheme than I think the other two guys who will be more sort of based in their defense and how they can produce on that end. So, yeah, th- there's question marks is an unknown. How much Bond and Dunn play in the front court will probably be like that. That's sort of your saving grace to some extent. Um, but I think you know it, it's a it's a group that. Is probably high floor, low ceiling, um, with the ca- the the caveat that that Buchanan could kind of emerge into a guy if if he can break that Tony Bennett first year big man mold. Yeah, and I think all these questions about that front court, about all these new faces. I mean, this is a lot of new faces trying to gel on a team for Tony Bennett. I think this is one of the biggest roster turnovers for Bennett. I think in a long, long time. I think it, it, I guess since he probably came onto as UVA's head coach. Um, so I think that's why we see these unranked preseason polls um, when you look at Virginia, and I think the ACC is very strong this year. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think, you know, in the AP poll, sorry if you can hear the train coming by in the background, uh, but um, in the AP poll, I think they were like, they received uh, of the teams that weren't in the top 25, like the sixth most votes, not that they're actually 31st, but I think that that's just about right probably for this team at this point in time. I understand national voters just being a little bit uncertain because they're not as tuned into, oh, my God, Blake Buchanan breakout freshman season or Andrew Rohde is going to come from um, St. Thomas and and blow it up. And so I I understand where they're coming from with that poll. I think, honestly, I would probably have them in a similar spot just because there are so many unknowns about this team. Is there a world where they're, uh, you know, competing for a, you know, they're a top 10 seed at some point in the season? Absolutely. If, If all the pieces fit um and everyone sort of plays into a bigger role but at the same time just about every single player on this team is going to be playing a more notable role or um a a higher division or level of basketball than they ever have before so like there's not really one guy who comes back and you're like okay we know his role we know what he's going to do like you had so many guys like that last year the entire entire starting lineup um you don't have that this year so i think i get sort of the edge of the top 25 okay they could jump into it they could jump out of it depending on early season and late season results um in the acc i think they're fortunate that um, they do have some time to sort of gel. I think the non-con, we're probably going to see them drop a couple games that maybe you wouldn't expect. I mean, not maybe wouldn't expect. Um, they'll beat up on the teams that they're supposed to beat up on. Um, but they might, they're probably going to drop a couple games. And then I think that that will allow them to peak as the ACC season starts. And they've got a pretty nice schedule too, um, especially to start. Like they only have to play Duke, Miami, and UNC once each. Um Early on, they get Virginia Tech at home. So I think there's a world where they rattle off a lot of wins to start ACC play and then are able to maybe get a share of that ACC regular season title again. Yeah, uh, some questions still left for that UVA men's hoopty. Like you said, it's understandable where they are in the preseason polls. But you know what other teams there's a lot, a lot of excitement about, Zach? It's the women's team. This is going to be Absolutely. Coach Mox's second season in Charlottesville. And for the, you know, last year towards the end of the season, they were struggling 
to have a complete team because of injuries and didn't have quite enough depth that she needed or wanted. She cured that by going to the transfer portal by getting a couple new a uh, couple new players, but also she went in the high school ranks and got some of the best players, not only in the country, but local players to join that roster. I mean, if you now if you're able to get three out of the four surrounding counties in your team <laughs> between three of your <laughs> best players, that's 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 how you can get more um more fans in the stands, especially they had an increase of hundred and seven percent in ticket sales last year. And I imagine that's gonna get even higher with three local athletes between Zam Brunel and newcomers, Olivia McGee and Kimora Johnson. And I want to start with one of those newcomers. Um, it's unfortunate that Olivia McGee, uh, I look like she fell awkwardly after she just checked into the scrimmage and then she had to sit out and was feeling crutches and had ice on her knee. So she was, a, she did not, fa she did not play in the scrimmage after that. So that was very unfortunate for her. She's from Louisa. And I know everyone in Louisa was pretty excited to see her. But Kimora Johnson, uh, two times Gator, Gatorade Player of the Year, a local prospect, come from Charlotte, Virginia, went to stab. Um, she she told me that, you know, if it wasn't for, like, she was starting to get interested in UVA because of Coach Mox. Um, so a highly sought-off recruit. And you saw why she was a five-star recruit, why she was one of the best high school prospects in that game. She I know there was a, a couple turnovers in that game for her, but – she had a couple times where she went coast to coast. Uh, she was able to get to the bucket, find her teammates, dish the ball pretty well, had some good number of assists. I think she had about 10 points, 10 to 12 points in the game. So I thought that when you saw her, you could see why she's a McDonald's All-American and what type of future she brings to this program. Yeah, definitely. And I think that in this game you saw um... – Unlike the men's team, this women's team wants to run. And that's something that Coach Monk has emphasized since day zero um, with this program. And I think that you saw that Kaimara Johnson is sort of the one to initiate that in a big way. I mean, she was getting the ball um, in the defensive backcourt and then pushing up floor. And that was probably the result that it led to a, a turnover here and there. But you'll take that with, with her talent and at her age. You know, you'll take the mistakes because you know that they're going to produce pretty awesome moments as well. The offense ran through her. I mean, on, on her team, of course, um, the offense ran through her. Um, and that's that's cool to see. Like like you're seeing it. It's not just the, the recruiting ranking. It's not just the hype. It's not just social media. Um, like she is playing a role that reflects her talent level. Mm -hmm. And I think that she's going to this season, obviously. The teams were a little bit um, different in, in the women's scrimmage than the men's. And I mean, I think Kaimora Johnson's team of they had two second years, two first years. And I think London Clark was a very young team. Yeah. And they won and, by like yeah, 12. And, and, and they won and they won. Yeah. Yeah. They were a very young team. And uh, well, I mean, she was dropping some dimes. Yeah. I mean, she was it was it, when you saw her, you're like, OK, I could see where the hype's from. Like you said, she was showing her talent there. Yeah. And, one of the things we we're going to talk a little later is that this team looks like the future is really good for this team. If you look at just the talent on the. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They're going to build to something, you know, like, like whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whether it's year after that, um, probably all of those years to some extent, frankly. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's going to be a, a special group and it just like, it, you know, culture is frankly overused in sports in this day and age um, and sort of like, Oh, we have the best culture, but you can see the impact that coach Mox's sort of implementation of culture and just 
sorry to be Gen Z, but good vibes has had on this program. You can just see like people are excited to be there in the, in, in, you know, in the stands, on the court, on the bench. It's just so different than it was for so many years for this program. And that by itself is exciting. Um, I mean, it was like this last year, but after they got some results, yes, the end of the season was, was unfortunate um, and just frankly unlucky in a lot of ways. But yeah, you, I mean, this program just seems to be building and building and inevitably um, that's going to culminate on the floor. And I think that there's a very realistic scenario that that happens this season. Yeah, you saw that in the hype in the, before the game, before the scrimmage, Coach Mox addressing the fans, uh, having the coaches introduce themselves, having the players introduce themselves on what they're studying. And then the introduction of a new hype video, you saw the all, all the girls looking up in the jumbotron and uh, dancing and all that stuff. They, they You could sense that they enjoy uh, being there and for each other. It was it, You could see, I guess, I'm going to quote you, the vibes that are there. Um, and I think before before we talk about two veterans on this team that I, I think are going to be the key for this team to have success this year, um, I want to talk about the depth of some of the talent that might get lost among the All-American, All-McDonald's players. And that's Katie Polly. Katie Polly, I thought, was the player that stood out to me the most because when you're going into the matchup, everyone was talking about Kimora Johnson, Olivia McGee. Um, even some of the injured players like Sam Burnell, Mir McLean. But I thought Polly was a standout per- performer in that match. She had two threes. She had 10 points. Um, I-, I thought she had an overall really good day. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, she's a flamethrower. Like, like she, she will let it fly and it will go in a lot of the time. Um, and playing alongside Kaimora Johnson that's really valuable because when you have a point guard that can find people the way that she can, if you give uh, a, a distributor, a player, a playmaker like that, someone who can just fire away and who you can create open looks for and be rewarded, um, that's that's a pretty dangerous combo. And, and yeah, I mean, Katie Pauly, you know, she sort of ended the bench for most of last year, got in here and there, I think had a couple big performances. Um but yeah, it, I think it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to keep a lot of a lot of people out of the rotation on this team, and I think that she's one of them. Where I, you just feel like you have to throw her in there, and and, and whether that's, I mean, it's probably off the bench just because of the, the starters that they have. But um, yeah, I think she's very deserving of minutes, and I think we saw in this game that she's made growth from last year and can can impact this team. Uh, with outside shooting, which was a struggle at times last year. And so having that in the backcourt will be important. And I think that they can plug her in uh, probably for a good number of minutes per game and, and get, yeah, get production from her. Yeah, as, as we saw last year, this team speed, you need that extra rotation, you need that depth, and that's what they lacked last year. So having this ability to go and say if Katie Polly's coming off the bench or if she's got some starting roles here and there, I mean, that's what you need to be successful with this kind of lineup and what, what Coach Mox wants to do. But when you're talking talking about this team, I know we said there's there's so many young talent coming in. We saw it. How We, we don't know if this could turn around this year or it could be something we could be turning around next year but for this year it seems like this team can go as far as how healthy Sam Brunel and Mir McLean are for this team these two were highly missed last year when I think McLean lost I think her 
injury was in the first half of the season. And obviously, Sam yeah, it was, was earlier. Short, I think yeah. February. It was very early. And you saw how much they missed her. And then when Sam went down, that was another big miss for them. They're both coming back from injuries. But I feel like the key for this team is how healthy those two can stay throughout the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that the, the youth and the talent is very exciting for the future. And we'll be able to produce this season. But as you said, Brunel and McLean are alongside Camp Taylor, you know, the, the three leading scorers from last season. Um, and you want sort of the athleticism that McLean brings, the scoring ability that she brings. Obviously, Sam Brunel inside, outside uh, versatility, able to hit threes, able to score inside, get on the boards. Um, and so having those three players in the front court uh, or on the wing with, with Mir McLean, yeah, I, I think that that's sort of where you, you know, this team, this team can be NCAA tournament good. Like the talent is there uh, for, for them to make a, a tournament push. But as you said, yeah, health, health is the big question. And, 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 you know, you want it for them. You want it for the, the individuals. You want it for the team, you want it for Coach Mox, just to be able to get a full shot with the talent that they have on this team. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, time will tell. Uh, unfortunately, we don't, we're not going to have answers right now. But, I mean, that's also probably goes to say that it will be valuable to have a deep rotation because you can give them fewer minutes per game. Um, and maybe, you know, some of these players that have been injury prone in the past, you can, especially early in the season, let them take it easy so that by February and March, um, you know, they haven't sustained such a high volume of minutes that maybe they can be fresher um, and uh, and can avoid those those unfortunate injuries that, that doomed the team late in the year last season. Yeah, but one thing's for sure, there's a lot of excitement in Charlotte about this Virginia women's program. So um, both teams will be in Charlotte next week for their ACC media tip-offs. The women will be meeting the media on Tuesday. The men will be meeting the media on Wednesday. And we'll have full coverage of those both media days coming up on Wahoo's 24-7 since that will be in Charlotte. Well, Zach, thanks so much for joining us today. Talk a little bit about hoops. Yeah, of course. A lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And of course, you can follow Zach on Streaking the Lawn. Uh, he has you covered with uh, football, basketball, and a lot of Virginia sports. So you can read up on him on streakingthelawn.com. And for me, hope you guys have a good rest of the week. And obviously, we'll be back here to cover the Virginia-North Carolina game next week. We'll have a podcast on Tuesday breaking down the game and looking forward to their next contest. Another road game in the ACC against Miami. We'll also have updates on recruiting since the Virginia staff is looking to fill in some holes in the 2024 class. So for Zach, I'm Jack Franchuli, and hope you guys have a good rest to your week. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.